How do B2B organizations build multi-year research programs that generate big ideas and marketplace interest? A number of big ideas have come out of such programs over the years, including the challenger sale of Corporate Executive Board and business re-engineering at the firm I worked at over 30 years ago. Doug Farron runs a relative newcomer to this list of influential thought leadership research centers. He is Managing Director of the National Center of the Middle Market at the Fisher College of Ohio State University, the business school at OSU. Since 2011, the center has focused on researching a sector of the U.S. economy that has long been overlooked, the middle market. Spotlight for decades had been on one end of the spectrum, Fortune 500 size companies, and on the other end of the spectrum, on startups, especially those that are funded by venture capital firms. Doug recently talked to me about the center from his Columbus, Ohio office. Doug, it's great to have you on our show. Uh, and in fact, of the uh, 18 episodes, this is episode number 18. You're the first Penn State graduate. <laughs> Why'd you wait so long? <laughs> really? You're, you're the first fellow Penn State graduate that I've had. I haven't had my brother Tom on. And oh, he, gotcha. Okay. He is a Penn State graduate. So oh. anyway, great to have you. Yeah, thanks, Bob, for having me. I, you've been a great supporter of the NCMM. And so it's a real pleasure to be on the show. Terrific. Okay, so give us, it, the center's been on a roll, clearly. Give us an update on the progress. Sure. So we are in our 12th year. Really hard for me to believe at this point, because when I helped co-found the center back in 2011 with our current dean, Dr. Anil Makija, I really had no idea where this was headed. You know, it, it could have lasted three or four years, uh, but here we are, you know, going strong a dozen years later, we, not unlike most organizations, face some pretty significant challenges, uh, particularly around the pandemic. So 2020, 2021, we scaled back you know, quite a bit. We focused on some core activities. Of course, our middle market indicator, which is, I think, our bread and butter, what we're known more, most for and what most people associate with the NCMM, uh, continued on. You know, of course, we did pick up a little bit of, of uh, additional work. We focused on some COVID-related pulse surveys. So we wanted to understand how the pandemic was affecting the middle market. Those were all, uh, you know, I think, very beneficial. And we got a lot of interest and attention from those. I would say at the start of 2022, we really started to see things pick back up in terms of interest, both from corporate sponsors, from collaborators and partners around the country, different organizations that we may have worked with in the past, for example, chambers of commerce, industry trade associations. I think as things started to open back up and people were really eager to get back in person again and do some of that networking and learning and uh, kind of fundamental things kind of pre-pandemic, we really started to see a lot open up. So where we're at today, as you alluded to, very positive momentum. We, of course, have continued with the middle market indicator, 11 full years now of data. It's the longest continually running study on the middle market in the U.S. We've done 38 waves of that. So again, that's the survey of 1,000 businesses, got great longitudinal data, and doing all kinds of things with that. We also were excited about a, a project that we recently completed with Google Cloud. 
So Google Cloud approached us last spring and wanted to understand how we could collaborate together. You know, different opportunities. Were, were those events? Was it a full sponsorship? And where we landed was on first doing a, a research collaboration together to take a look at the use of cloud technology at middle market companies. So we released that report in early March, and we've got a whole series of activities we're going to be doing with them over the next eight to 12 months. Uh, in addition to that, we recently released uh, an impact report. It had been a few years since we've summarized the work of the center. Traditionally, we had done annual reports that we published for about six or seven years, and then we put that on hold, again, while resources were a little tight. And so we did a three-year impact report, kind of summarizing all the accomplishments and, and really proud of that. Uh, and we're sharing that kind of across our network uh, right now. And then the final thing I'll update on is I'm still teaching the undergraduate middle market class that we have at Fisher College of Business now in its ninth year. And we are uh, about a month out from wrapping up five projects that are student team projects with middle market companies. And so that's been... An, Quite honestly, one of the most exciting and unexpected parts of my role has been that educational component and being able to connect with students and hopefully get them interested, not only in learning about the middle market, but thinking about it as a potential career destination. So yeah, lots of good things happening and I'm really excited about where we're headed. When you look at the center's most important metrics, and I know in any organization, there can be you know a difference of opinion of what you know, what are we really here for? What are our most important metrics? When you look at the center's most important metrics, what do you see them as? It's a great question. We are in a unique position because we are a, a research organization that resides within a business school, but yet we are funded externally by corporate partners. And so the thing I've noticed over my time at the center is there's this constant friction between what are the right goals and metrics and things that we should we we should be measuring. So for instance, you know, our first 5 or 6 years we spent a significant amount of our annual budget on funding academic research. And for the college that's extremely important. I mean, our former dean Chris Poon, one of her goals was to have Fisher College of Business be known as the hub of middle market academic research which to that point, there hadn't been, quite frankly, a whole lot of that done. When you think about our corporate partners, whether they be GE Capital in the early years or you know, moving on to SunTrust Bank and Cisco, and today we're working with Chubb and Visa, for instance, their goals are much, much different, right? They're trying to awareness, engagement, getting information to their clients, educating their own teams to be smarter about how they engage with middle market companies as they're supporting their growth. So. To me, that is a very, very difficult question that I don't think we've ever truly been able to solve or what are those right metrics. But the closest that we've come, and I'll share a quick story, uh, we've done some work in the past with the Brookings Institution in DC. And one of the questions I had for their team was, hey, you're one of the world's most renowned think tanks. How do you measure your work? And they said, well, what we like to do is basically monitor the nature of the conversation out in the marketplace. Has our work changed the conversation? And so that can be really difficult to put your finger on. It's not a hard and fast metric like page views or impressions or media hits. But it really struck me as, you know, maybe that's the right approach is 
where we were in 2011 when the center launched to where we are today in 2023 has the conversation around the middle market changed? And I believe it has just from the nature of activity and the number of presentations we do and people who want to know more about the segment. I think the center has been a, a crucial role in changing that conversation. So that's kind of the thing I keep as the North Star in the back of my mind is always trying to further that conversation. Yeah, it seems to me that before the center, um, this notion of there's this vast middle market of the of the U.S. economy that's forgotten in this world. Everybody's looking at the Fortune 500 on one hand of the spectrum or the venture-funded startups on the other. Right. And, you know, mix of companies in the middle. Nobody nobody knows who they are nor or their impact on the economy, and nobody cares. But right. guys have changed that conversation, it seems to me. Right. Well, we put a little structure around it. You know, I think there was you know, different organization, particularly the, a lot of the big banks. You know, they would do an annual middle market study, and they would survey a couple hundred clients. And But they each had their own definitions. You know, some of them had different revenue bands, and some even used um, employee headcount as, as the basis for what defined the middle market. And so the NCMM, I think we've gained enough credibility where we've you know been the, the credible voice that's now created the definition. We've got survey-based data that kind of, you know, it's, it's academically credible, it's from a third party. And so there's a lot of, I think, great attributes around the nature of the center that has driven a lot more consistency around how different groups around the country view the middle market. So we're really happy with that progress. Yeah, well, certainly from uh, the metric of, you know, awareness of the middle market in the U.S. and whether you accomplish that mission, it would seem to me the answer is absolutely yes. What do you look at as the key steps in getting uh, the center to the place uh, it is now 12 years after launch, like the half a dozen key steps? Well, so when we started, you know, we had a vision and we had a mission, and those have remained largely unchanged. I mean, the vision was to, to ensure that the U.S. middle market was recognized as being fundamental to the economy. And so to our discussion that we just had, I think we, we can agree that, it, yes, we're, we're raising that visibility. The, the mission is really to provide you know, insights, thought leadership, data programs, networks to help these companies. And so that's what we're always striving for is, you know, where are the areas that we can continue to, to provide value and, and um, really easily accessible resources in those areas. When we think about our activities, they've remained largely unchanged as well. They're about research, outreach, and education. And so the steps that we've taken you know, the early years, it was really about building a library and a foundation uh, to establish that credibility. So do we? what can we say about the middle market? And then as we've gotten into different topics, whether it be operations, talent management, innovation, globalization, building a deeper depth of understanding in each of those areas, specifically from the point of view of middle market companies and, and really thinking about not only their challenges, but their opportunities. And so I think the key steps have really just been staying disciplined to that approach and not being you know, tempted um, by, by a lot of the other opportunities that have come our way. When at the end of the day, we look at it and we say, has this really 
advancing our mission, or is it just something that would be fun to do and you know maybe tangential to to really supporting the middle market? So uh, learning to say no has been difficult because a lot of times you just want to please people and be helpful and as a as an academic institution, really that's part of our charter as well. But we've had to say no to some things and. Without that, we we have to recognize that we are resource constrained and we only have so much time. So I always try to focus our team on what matters most. And that's those three areas. Yeah. What do you look at as the biggest challenges to getting where you have gotten? And how did you address those challenges? Well, you know, our makeup is is unique. So as a research center at Ohio State University, we're expected to be fully self-sufficient. So that means we're not, you know, we're not taking taxpayer dollars, we're not using student tuition dollars. It's all been driven by this these corporate relationships. And so maybe something that's was unexpected for me is I spend a significant amount of my time in in true business development. <laughs> talking to potential partners, talking with organizations that can not only bring capital to help fund a lot of these activities, but also bring subject matter expertise and insights. Because I'll honestly, Bob, I mean, we, we can collect data and do surveys, but those partners are the ones that bring the real insight to the different topics that we study. And our model has been, you know, the center kind of bringing an issue to light, maybe raising questions about it. But those partners then pick it up and say, okay, here's how we can help solve these challenges. So I think for us, it's always about finding new, you know, building new relationships. Those can take a long time. I mentioned the Google example. I mean, that was over a year in, you know, from the start of the conversation to having a finished research report and some content that we've now started to put out there. So I think it's just, you know, being patient with that. We've cycled through a number of sponsors, and so I'm always kind of keeping my eye on who would be a good fit to work with and who could diversify a lot of the topical areas that that we've studied or, or want to continue to study. Has it ever been a crisis, uh, a, a challenge of the existential kind, where somebody said at some point, why are we doing this? You know, you know, maybe when G Capital pulled out, like, what are we doing here? Let, let's ask ourselves why we need this program. But did, that ever, <laughs> did that ever occur? Um, yes. So ironically, a lot of those questions come from our faculty. Our faculty members don't necessarily understand what centers, and again, we're one of six centers, so I'm not the only one in this position. We have a risk institute, and we have a real estate center, and we have an operational excellence center. And if you think about our college's strategic plan, all of those are really conduits into the business community. So we're viewed as one of the key mechanisms to bridge what we're doing in an academic environment with the true needs of the business community. And so even when GE ended their relationship with us in 2015, I don't think there was any question that we were on the right path and we were going to continue this work. We just had to find you know, new sources of funding and, and partners and things of that nature. But a lot of times it just comes from within our own walls at the college where people say, what, you know, what is this program really doing? Are we, you know, there's a misconception about how we're funded and how we operate and what we're truly providing. And so I try to make it my mission to share as much as possible. I mean, I don't want to obviously clog people's inboxes and these are all busy professors and instructors as well. 
But I look for key opportunities and that impact report being one of them. You know, I shared that across the college to both faculty and staff to say, hey, take five minutes and browse through this. And if you have any confusion about what we're doing, hopefully this helps solve that. No, but I, but I think externally, the, the um, reception has been very positive and we continue to you know, make presentations to groups all over the country. I've had five or six events in the last month. Um, I've got five or six more in the coming four weeks. So the interest is as high as it was back when we launched. Yeah, that's terrific. So on, on these challenges, let's say you met another person from another university who was in a similar role and the university is thinking about, we, um, we, wanna, be, we wanna set up a research institute and become known as the leading expert in, I don't know, generative AI or supply chain management for CPG industries. Tell us, you know, it's gonna be a long-term program. We're trying to get sponsors and this and that. And they said, so Doug, what, what should we expect to be faced with that will really give us a challenge that we're going to have to work through or else it's just not going to work? What would you prepare them for? Well, I think one of the things is, what is your point of differentiation? And, and that's where we've benefited at the, at the NCMM. I think one of the brilliant things that this was, predates my time, but it, I think it was a discussion between the college and GE Capital but we didn't name it Center for Middle Market. We named it National Center for the Middle Market. And that kind of grabbed, you know, we kind of cornered that space, right? So where I, when I go to visit other universities or I look at other centers, a lot of times they're very local or regionally focused. I mean, you know, real estate centers or entrepreneurship centers are pretty common across the U.S. So I feel fortunate that we grabbed onto a relatively unexplored topic. We cornered the name, and then despite a lot of internal kind of arm wrestling, you know, GE was very adamant that we establish our own brand, our own identity, that we weren't on a university server. So we're .org instead of .edu, which I didn't think at the time was very significant, but it's I think it's turned out to be a significant advantage. So what I would tell those other organizations would be, yeah, establish a clear vision. Like what is what is going to differentiate you from all the competition that's out there? You know, pick a lane that you want to be really good at and focus on that and build your expertise. You know, don't try to do 10 different things because your audience is just going to get confused and they're going to say, what is this center really trying to provide? I often ask myself that same question, which is, is there a way for us to continue doing really great research and thought leadership? but also doing more things that directly impact middle market companies. Maybe that's education, like executive education programs. But again, don't want to get you know, too many things out there at the same time that could distract us from our main mission. So I think it's about establishing the right differentiator, establishing your goal and your vision. And then really the first couple of years is about how do you create awareness, get people to know who you are, and we were fortunate to benefit from establishing a, a really strong network coast to coast with different organizations who either reached out to us or, you know, through different relationships that we had in our network, we're able to establish some pretty strong partnerships, some of which continue to this day. And so even though we were very small in terms of our team, I think we used and leveraged a lot of partnerships to get our name out there. 
Because without that, it would have been a struggle to really establish the identity and, and uh, the awareness around NCMM. In fact, we just asked in our last survey, 60% of the respondents said that they knew or were aware of NCMM, which surprised me. I think that's pretty significant from where we were even five years ago when that number was less than 25%. And so if uh, if somebody from another university said, hey, Doug, we want to set up a center of whatever, and they said, um, you know, do you think we can make substantial progress in year two? You know, will we become this huge center of research and knowledge in two years? Is is that enough time? What would you say? I really don't think we started to hit our stride until year three or four, to be honest. I mean, we we also benefited from some pretty substantial events. You know, GE Capital held a summit on the campus of Ohio State every fall. That was a significant driver of um, awareness because two of those summits, those it was a two-day event, about 1,200 people. They brought in these really you know, high celebrity speakers, and we had Warren Buffett and George W. Bush, and it was really crazy, the uh, lineup of people. But two of those were broadcast, one on Bloomberg and one on uh, Morning Joe, broadcast live from campus. The acceleration that we received from that was tremendous. But again, that wasn't until 2014 or 2015. And so I think it takes a good you know, couple of years to establish that you know, identity and awareness. And we've gotten better at it too over the years. We've figured out how to leverage social media appropriately. Because again, I think the appetite of wanting to read a 20 or 30 page white paper has changed <laughs> now that we're in this more digital consumption environment. So now we're much better than we were even two, three years ago at sending out snippets of bite-sized information on these research reports. And I always challenge our team to think about how we can take one report and extend that content for four or five months. It's pretty easy, actually, when you put forth the effort, you know, instead of just putting it out there once or twice, grab a chart, grab a little nugget, you know, and keep posting that. And we're even surprising ourselves at how long those things can last. But we established a newsletter. That's been another thing that's been helpful. And so now people can go to our site, they subscribe, and every other week we're sending out information about new research, event recaps, podcasts, things of that nature. So that has helped tremendously too. So I think it's just being creative about what's your plan about how to engage whatever audience it is you're trying to reach. Yeah. So what's next for the center? You know, what do you what do you want to see and what do your your colleagues want to see for the next two to three years? I think it's there's a couple of things. You know, we've identified this in our plan going forward. One is to continue to focus on our strength, which is re- research. And we will continue doing these collaborations. The middle market indicator, as I mentioned, is our strongest piece of work. So that's going to continue. We think about digital transformation. This was actually a topic we started exploring in 2019. We're going to continue down that path, particularly as you think about Avisa and now this growing relationship that we have with Google, all the things around technology and how that's going to impact the middle market, whether it's addressing workforce challenges or different growth opportunities, that's going to be pretty significant for us. We also, we were part of a RFP process that the college had with the U.S. Department of Education to apply for a cyber grant. So that is a acronym that stands for Center for International Business Education and Research. 
And part of our RFP proposal, the middle market and NCMM was a key part of that. And so we have funding from the US government to explore middle market topics. We're gonna be launching a project here very soon looking at the nature of the global supply chain for the middle market, given all the disruption that has happened, given a lot of reshoring that's happened with a lot of manufacturing. Where does the middle market see that and what kind of role are they playing in that process? Um, I'm also excited to say that after having two articles in HBR in 2021, I'm getting ready to write another. They came back and approached us about whether we would be interested in an online post about how the middle market is navigating change. And so that's in process right now. And the final thing I will say is I mentioned earlier, we're talking with the Ohio Chamber. So Steve Stivers, who's the CEO of the Ohio Chamber and was formerly in, in, uh, in our congressional representative, big supporter of the middle market. And so he reached out to us late last year about this idea of developing a training program that if that goes well and gets perfected, he would like us to actually take that out to other states and grow it into a national program. So really exciting things. Um, we have a lot on our plate. I don't know how we're gonna get all that done, but we're starting to plan it all out right now. That sounds great. Well, Doug, you guys continue to be on a roll and it looks like you'll be on a roll for the uh, foreseeable future. So, you know, I wish you the best and I look forward to all the new research that, that you're going to publish. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for all the support. Thank you, Doug. Everything Thought Leadership is a video and podcast series from Boudet TLP. It's for thought leaders and thought leadership professionals, the people who help experts get recognized as thought leaders. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you left a like and if you shared the episode with your colleagues. You can find out more about Boudet Thought Leadership Partners at BoudetTLP.com.